All right. So uh, we're going to talk about making money with Alexa skills. Um, and as I hope we've clarified, everybody here is down with making a little more money. Uh, or maybe a lot more money if you're really good at it. So my name is Jeff Blankenberg. Uh, I work on the Alexa team uh, as an evangelist. So I spend a lot of my time working with people just like you that are software developers that want to get involved in building cool stuff for Alexa. If you guys haven't heard, um, there are over 50,000 different skills today that are available on Alexa. First, I want to take a quick poll. How many of you own an Alexa device? Anybody not raising their hand right now is lying because you can have an Alexa device on your phone. I should have asked, how many people don't have a phone? Right? Nobody's hand goes up for that, right? So on your phone, in the Amazon app or in the Alexa app, um, Alexa's available inside there. And so you have an Alexa device, even if you don't have one sitting on your kitchen counter or in your bedroom or wherever people keep devices these days. Um, but what we're going to talk about is those skills that people have built and how they build them to sell things inside their skills. So one other thing I want to mention before we get started um, is that if you guys aren't aware, I know AWS does a ton of stuff on Twitch, but Alexa also does a ton of stuff on Twitch. Uh, and you can find us at twitch.tv slash Amazon Alexa. We run shows. We have office hours, live office hours with developers every week where you can just show up and say, hey, how do I do this thing? And the person that's on screen will do a quick demo for you and show you how that stuff works and point you to the right resources. So if you're really interested, or even if you're an active Alexa developer, if you don't know about um, our Twitch stream, it's a really great place to just pop in and learn and, and take, on, take on a little more information than I might be able to provide in just this hour. All right, so first thing I have to do if we're talking about making money is I have to introduce the idea of in-skill purchasing and what that really means and kind of how we got here. So a while back, Alexa was launched. It's been a few years now. Um, but right away, we didn't have what we call the Alexa Skills Kit. And the Alexa Skills Kit is what allows us, as developers, to build our own skills for Alexa. Um, if you haven't heard that word before, you're like, why do you keep saying skills? Um, think about having your mobile phone, but you don't get any apps. That's what an Echo device, when you unbox it, is like. You have access to whatever the Echo device can do, right? Whatever Amazon has provided as its own service, right? The same way that your phone has a calculator and a browser and some basic stuff in it. But your phone is really interesting because of all the apps that are on it. And Alexa is the same way. These skills, think of them like apps, um, are extra capabilities, extra skills that Alexa can take on um, and perform all sorts of other tasks. So if you want to order a pizza or a car or uh, your Starbucks order before you get to the store so you don't have to wait in line and have them spell your name wrong, um, you can do all of that from your device and then just walk up and get your stuff or have that pizza delivered to your house. Those are skills. So as we move forward, earlier this year in May, we released the ability to monetize your skills. And I'll talk about how we do that in a little while. Um, but the idea of being able to do in-skill purchasing was kind of big. Um, and then what we had released were two types of monetization, two types of in-skill purchasing that you could do. Um, and we added a third one here in September um, that is consumables. And if you guys haven't heard the word consumables before, that's fine. But consumables are the idea that you might sell hints or coins or gems or something like that inside your skill uh, that people use up and can buy again. Uh, and so now we have kind of the, the full gamut of what's available for offering products inside your skills. And so I want to take you guys on a, a quick tour of what those are and how they work and how they're different and why they're important. So 
Let's spend a little bit of time on Amazon Pay because that's not the core focus of what I'm gonna talk about today, but I wanna make sure you guys are aware of this and its specific distinction. So you may have heard of Amazon Pay in other, uh, other talks, in, uh, in other aspects of Amazon, um, but what Amazon Pay is really is a, is a processing agent, right? It allows me to set up a merchant account and then I can um, process credit cards much like something like PayPal or something like that would be for you. And Amazon Pay is now something that you can use inside an Alexa skill to sell physical goods and services. So the important distinction here is that you use something like Amazon Pay when you're selling <clears throat> real world things. Maybe you have a donut shop and people could use your skill to order a dozen donuts or you know, whatever they wanna buy from your store. Um, you would use Amazon Pay to sell these donuts through your skill. Or if you're a florist, maybe. If you're a florist and you sell flowers and deliveries and all that kind of stuff, people could order flower delivery directly from your, your skill as well. Um, another great example is, let's say you have a lawn mowing or a, a, a landscaping company, and people wanna say, hey, I need someone to mow my lawn next Friday. The skill could say, okay, mowing a lawn is $28. Uh, we can be there between 10 and two. It's using all of your data and your APIs to make these determinations. Would you like that appointment? The customer says yes. Their credit card gets charged you drive out to their house on Friday and mow their lawn at two o'clock or whatever they picked. So this, all, all of these kind of examples use physical goods and services, right? The other side of it are the digital goods, and that's what we're gonna spend most of our time talking about today, is in-skill purchasing, using the engine inside Alexa to take advantage of all the purchasing for you. The first one of those is one-time purchases, um, and you've certainly encountered one-time purchases in your life. A good example of this is a book. When I buy a book, I can use that book. I can read the entire book. And when I'm done, I still have a book. I only had to buy it once and I have that thing forever. Now a book is a very physical, real world thing, but you can imagine very similar ideas to that in other things that you may have experienced. Maybe it's an audio book, or if I, I have an interactive adventure skill, maybe inside there I have other adventures that you can buy um, for a dollar or two. And once you've bought them, you own them forever. The customer has access to that new story or adventure or game or level or whatever it happens to be. Uh, but they have avail that, that's available to them the rest of the way, uh, the life of that skill. The second one is a subscription. I think we're probably all familiar with subscriptions at this point, but just to put a nail on it, um, you can imagine like a newspaper subscription, right? I get a regular recurring new edition of some content uh, but I pay on a regular basis for this. Maybe it's a weekly fee or a monthly fee or a yearly fee, and then I get new content on the regular and I don't have to pay more for all of that other stuff. So that's a subscription, um, and you can do this inside your skill. You can offer things like free trials. Um, so you could say, hey, the first week is free and then after that we'll charge you $2.99 a month or you know, whatever it happens to be. This is all configurable. And we'll get into the, the hardcore like implementation and code stuff a little bit later. Uh, but I just want to introduce the concepts first and then we'll, we'll continue to deep dive into this. Uh, but so you, I think everybody understands the subscription. I'm sure all of us at some point have a subscription running right now like Netflix or, or something like that as well. The third one is the new one that I mentioned, consumables. And this is the one that's the most distinctly different from the book example, the one-time purchase that I showed you earlier. It's a lot more like a cheeseburger. If you treated a cheeseburger like you treated a book, the restaurant would look at you very strange, right? If I go into a restaurant and I say, I would like a cheeseburger, please, and they bring me this lovely looking burger and I eat it, I don't expect that I still have a cheeseburger when I'm done, even though I've used the burger. 
Um, and so the idea here is that if I turn to the restaurant and I say, I know, but I already paid for a burger. I want, I want the burger that I already ate. I want to take one with me. They're going to offer to let me buy it again, right? And so that's the idea here is that consumables are something that they buy and they use up and it's gone, like hints and coins and gems and stuff that you would see in a lot of the mobile games you see out there today. But the important thing to remember for the rest of the talk that we're, we're going through is that we are not talking about physical goods and services. That's Amazon Pay. Um, that's a completely different kind of approach to what we're doing. But what we're really going to focus on is digital goods um, and how those work and how you can use those inside the skills that you're building. OK. So what I'd like to do now, um, what I find works really well when we're talking about code and implementation and thinking about how things work and interact, um, a lot of people like to explain everything first and then show you how it works. But I don't find that to be nearly as fun. Uh, I'd rather show you how it works first so you have a good picture of how this skill looks and acts and interacts with the user. And then we'll go back and take those pieces apart. So I have a cool little skill. Um, and this gets, we get a little audience interaction here. I have stickers for people that can say the, the right answer. This is a trivia game we're going to play. Um, and what I find is these questions are really hard for one person to get them all right. But when I have 200, 300 people in a room, somebody knows the answer to every one of them. So if you get the question right, I have a sticker for you uh, somewhere in my bag here. Um, and we'll, uh, I'll make sure that you get an Alexa sticker for getting a question right. But, so I'm just going to go through the demo. I'm going to show you a couple of questions. We'll do three questions. Um, but I want you guys to get a feel for what is the interaction like? What am I having to say? What am I having to do? What is Alexa trying to accomplish in the interaction that she has with me? Um, and see when purchases are offered to me. I want you to hear and listen for those things, like when prices are mentioned, or hey, you want to buy this thing, OK? So I have um, a device here. That is a Fire TV Cube. If you guys haven't seen one of these before, it's an Alexa device. Didn't hear me. Uh, it's a device that is also a Fire TV, a 4K Fire TV device. Um, but it has she who shall not be named in the device as well. And so um, what we're going to do is I'm going to start up the skill. Uh, and the first thing I'm going to do is say, give me a random question. When it does that, it's going to put, it'll put the question up on the screen for us. Um, it'll ask us audibly what the answer is. But when you know the answer, feel free to just yell it out. Um, in fact, let me get my stickers out. And if, uh, if you're the first person to answer it correctly, you can trot right up here and get yourself a sticker, because that's the best thing I have to give away. OK. So Alexa, open TKO Trivia. Come on. Get off the internet, everybody. I need it. Here's what I found. Alexa, stop. Alexa, open TKO Trivia. It looks like Jeff Blankenberg is ready for more TKO Trivia. You've still got a few questions left from your last TKO quiz. Want to finish it up? No. OK. You can come back to that later. What would you like to do instead? Give me a random question. Here is your question from the category language. The letters ZIP and zip code are an acronym meaning what? 
So one of the things I do is I have Alexa play some music, because some of the questions are hard. You need to think, maybe talk with your friends and figure out the answer. So I can interrupt at any time. This song goes for 90 seconds. And I had a guess up here that's not exactly right. It's close, though. Does anyone else have a guess? It is not zone index protocol. Zone improvement plan, that is correct. Alexa, zone improvement plan. Cha-ching, that is the correct answer. Congratulations. You can start a quiz or ask me for a random question. What will it be? Give me a science question. You don't currently have access to the science category, but you can unlock these questions. Do you want to learn more? Yeah. Purchasing the science category will give you questions about physics, chemistry, biology, mathematics, and astronomy. Prime members save 19 cents. Without Prime, your price is 99 cents plus tax. Would you like to buy it? Yes. Please say your four-digit code to confirm the purchase. Four, 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 four. Great. You now have science. You have successfully unlocked the science category. You can now say things like, ask me a science question. You can start a quiz or ask me for a random question. What will it be? Give me a science question. Here is your question from the category science. Which planet in our solar system has the longest day? Mercury, I think it is Mercury. Alexa, Mercury? I heard you say Mercury. Ah oh, man. Nope, that's not it. You Wait can up. start a quiz or ask me for a random question. What will it be? So we don't get to answer it again, unfortunately. Uh, and I don't remember. I what heard the right you answer. say truth. Alexa, but I haven't asked you a question. Give me another science question. Here is your question from the category science. When Gabriel Fahrenheit invented the thermometer in 1714, what chemical element did he use to tell the temperature? I heard somebody say mercury already, right? Over here somewhere. I don't know. I don't know who it was. I have a sticker for whoever wants to come up and get it. Alexa, mercury. Phew, you nailed it. Nice work. You can start a quiz or ask me for a random question. What will it be? Stop. Okay. Bye bye, butterfly. Okay. So what I found out, you guys have heard uh, like see you later alligator after a while crocodile. There's actually like a hundred of those. I had no idea. Uh, and so bye bye butterfly is another one. Um, but I created a database of all of them and she just randomly picks one each time. Uh, so you get all these little clever goodbyes. Uh, she also says things like, okay, goodbye. Where we're going, we don't need roads. Like clever movie stuff like that. So you guys saw a few things there. One, we, we got to put some stuff on the screen. That's one of the cool things that you can do with Alexa skills. If, if the user has a Fire TV or if they have a device like the Echo Show or the Echo Spot, you can put stuff on screens for them so they can see things that they're hearing as well. Um, but the interesting stuff was the purchase that I made when I asked for that science category. So when I did that, as much as I just want to play trivia with you guys the rest of the way, I feel like i got to continue down this path. Um, when I asked for the science category, 
it said, oh, you don't own the science category, do you, but you could unlock it. Do you want to know more about that? That little statement is called an upsell. And that's something that I write as part of my code, as part of my response back to the user. Um, and I said yes to that. I said, yeah, that, that sounds interesting. I'd like to know more about how I unlock those. And then it said something about pricing, right? Prime members save 19 cents. Without Prime, it's 99 cents. Would you like to buy it? That bit, I didn't write. That bit is actually created by Alexa for the user that includes the price. And there's a, we'll get into why all that stuff happens, but what's important to know is that I don't ever have to mention the price in my skill. Alexa takes care of that for me, primarily because of that discount that she might offer. So the first part was the upsell. The second part was the offer or the, the buy opportunity where it's actually giving me the price and telling me, do you want to buy this, yes or no? And if I say yes, I'm buying it. So now we've seen how those things work, and we've seen the, the, the three products. I have a subscription in there as well. I haven't built any consumables into that skill yet, but you can imagine how those would work. I'd like a hint. I have another skill I can show you in a little while that does that. Um, but these are the three kinds of things that apply to almost every kind of purchase you might want to offer inside a skill. So as we sell things, one of the other important things to know is pricing. The minimum price that I can offer for a one-time purchase is a dollar, or 99 cents, really. That's the lowest price I can offer. The highest price I can offer is $100. That's the most I could charge for something. If I have a consumable, um, the price range changes a little bit. So for it's $1 to $100 for one-time purchases and subscriptions. For consumables, it's $1 to $10. And there's a somewhat obvious reason for this. If people are using stuff up and, and burning through stuff, it's unlikely you're selling it to them for $100. I mean, maybe, maybe you have some amazing content I haven't seen before. But in general, we're thinking about people buying small incremental kinds of things, um, access to a, a credit of some kind or something like that. And I'm, I'm roughly estimating, because pictures of, of US currency look nice on a big screen, but you actually have to subtract a penny from everything that I just told you because it's actually more like this. Subscriptions and one-time purchases are 99 cents up to $99.99. Consumables are 99 cents to $9.99. Now, as I was walking around the room when we started here, I noticed that um, there's a bunch of people from a bunch of places that maybe not the United States here. Right now, all of the in-skill purchasing stuff that I'm talking about is only available in skills that work in the United States. So if you live in France, uh, or India, or Japan, or wherever. You could build a skill wherever you live. Um, if you build a skill, you can't use in-skill purchasing unless you publish it in the United States. It just doesn't work. We don't have those mechanisms set up for other countries yet. But they're coming, um, and they shouldn't be too, too far on in the future. But that's something that's still coming. So if you want to build something that has the stuff that I'm talking about today, it is important to know that it only happens in the United States. Another important thing to know, and this should be pretty common for anybody that's built a mobile app. Has anyone built a mobile app of any kind before, published it to a store? So you know if you sell things inside your store, even if you sell your app, you get 70% of whatever price you set. So if I sell something for a dollar, I will get 70 cents every time that thing is sold. Um, Amazon keeps the other 30% to handle the credit card processing and keep the lights on and the servers and all the other stuff. Um, and the, the nice thing about this is that you heard Alexa offer a discount earlier where she said, I'll take 19 cents off if you're a Prime member. 
That doesn't come out of my 70%. That comes out of Amazon's 30%. So they're discounting your products for you, making them more appealing to your customers. But you don't have to worry about worrying about what that price is or that you're going to receive any less money. It's always a consistent 70%. So that's why I mentioned earlier about pricing and how I never mention that in my skill. Um, if in my skill I say, hey, do you want the science category? It's a dollar. And they say yes in my upsell. And then I, I send them over to Alexa, and Alexa says, oh, for Prime members, you save 19 cents. It's actually 99 cents if you don't have Prime, so you're only going to be charged 80 cents. It becomes this very inconsistent kind of experience. If you guys have ever bought a car before, you know that when you walk in there and you see the sticker on the window, that is the only price you're not going to pay. Um, and so you deal with the, the, the dealership and the, the, the salesman. And ultimately, you try to whittle it down a little bit, and you have to play that back and forth game where he goes back and talks to his manager. I know they're just having snacks and Kool-Aid back there, but they feel like they're doing something important. And then they come back and they say, well, this is the best we can do, and the price continues to fluctuate and move. It's a really frustrating experience because I just want to buy the car. I don't want to spend hours and hours and hours trying to figure out what price I'm going to pay for this thing. So we're trying to be very consistent about this, and in doing so, our recommendation when you build a skill within skill purchasing is you, as all of the responses you generate for the user, just don't mention the price. When they want to buy it, they'll be told what the price is. We, we're very confident about that. But we don't want you to confuse them and say it's one price, and then they get charged or offered a different price. So that's, uh, that's what this image is meant to represent. OK. So one of the other things that's important to know is that when you publish a skill, it has to go through certification, much like every mobile app you've ever written, uh, in order to be offered in those stores. And so we have a skill store. And in that skill store, you have to go through certification. If you want to change the prices of your products, if you want to change the metadata of your products, in order to do that, you have to recertify. It's not something that will take a long amount of time. But it is important to know that, like, this is not something that I'm going to change every minute or every hour. Going through certification, they, their SLA is about five days. It's usually more like 36 hours. But that's still a 36-hour time span that you have to wait for your price to change. Um, and so I want to make sure that I'm really clear about that with you, because if you're trying to manipulate the pricing on a regularly consistent basis, there's not a great mechanism to do that. OK, so creating in-skill products. We are, uh, we are cruising through this presentation, and I want to make sure that we have time to talk about what the stuff is. We've done that. And now we're really going to focus on how the stuff works. So the first important thing to understand is that in my code, I'm going to create what we call a product. A product to us is really just a JSON file with a bunch of metadata. It has things like descriptions and uh, URLs to your small image, your large image, what your price is. Well, I'll show it here in a second. But what the products really are, are just a, they're a paywall. They're a lock that gets in the way of whatever content your user wants to get to. You don't put your content into a product. You don't put all of your stories or your extra trivia questions into a thing at all. Um, all you do is call to an API and say, hey, do they own this product? And if they do, then you give them whatever content you had available however you'd like. Um, and if they don't have access, then you just jump to the other part of your if statement and say, I'm sorry, you don't have access to that. Would you like to buy it? Right? That's what I did with my science category. So let me show you what it's like to, to build a product. I took a screen grab of my command line interface. I say ASK add ISP. ASK is the Alexa skills kit. ISP is in-skill purchase. It gives me a choice of which one I'd like. I choose a template to use that, and then I give it a name. 
In this case, I think I just call it demo item or something like that. And it's created a JSON file for me. In this, in this second state, I'm doing the exact same thing, but I'm creating a subscription. What this is doing on my machine is creating that JSON file for me with a bunch of place filler uh, values, which I'll show you in a moment. So this one I call demo subscription. But this is all that it really takes to create a product for your skill. And then it's a matter of referring to that product and deep diving into whether or not the user has bought it and calling the API to check and see whether they've purchased it. Um, that's where more of the work is involved. So when you do this, what you end up with is a file that looks like this, and I'm sure everyone can read this in the back of the room, right? Um, I took care of you, I understand. My eyes are not the best anymore. So here's the top half of it. All I did was zoom in for you. This is the same file we were just looking at a moment ago. And you can see at the very top, we have a version number, and then we have a type. And in this case, I'm looking at the entitlement file. So an entitlement is that one-time purchase, something that they have purchased and they have access to forever. But these files look identical for subscriptions and for consumables. Inside here, we have that publishing information node. And in here is where we have all that metadata, right? So I have the small icon URI, the large icon URI, summary, description, example phrases. These are all metadata that we use to funnel these products in front of your customers. The two really important ones are down closer to the bottom on line 19 where it says custom product prompts. The first one is a purchase prompt description. This is when Alexa offers me a price, this is the thing she says right before that. So when I say I want the science category, um, and she says, do you want to know more about it? Um, she will then take that sentence, purchase prompt description, and say, purchasing the science category will give you questions about physics and chemistry and whatever else the sentence said. Um, and then she will say, the price is 99 cents. If you have Prime, it's, ni it's 19 cents off. Would you like to buy it? And if they say yes, then they buy it. But that's where that, that sentence is coming from. All of my metadata for my product comes out of this file. The bottom half of this file looks like this. I have a price, I have a currency. You can see that we're built for expansion. We just haven't expanded to the other uh, regions of the world yet. We also have uh, a tax category, something I'm still investigating myself because I don't really understand entirely why I'm making that choice. It seems like that choice should be made for me, but there's 15 or so different tax categories and they're pretty obvious when you look at what you're selling as to what category it should be in. And then you have to have a privacy policy URL so this is a page that has to exist on the internet that describes how you may use any of the personal information you collect by using this. So the last couple of pieces here, testing instructions, this is your opportunity to tell our certification team what, how to use this product, how to get to it, because in t they're not gonna certify it if they can't find it in your skill. And you may think, well, they could just click and get to the menu and look in the cart. There isn't any of that in a skill, right? They have to just use their voices to, ex to like experience your skill and so your testing instructions are designed specifically to say, say this thing or do, follow this path to get to this product. And then finally, we have a state called purchasable. This is something that you use when you have sold a product in the past. It's been available for a little while. Maybe you sold like a, a Halloween story pack or something like that inside your skill. Um, but you don't want to sell that in November and December. It's just a, it's an October thing. And so people have bought it and they still want to be able to use it the rest of the year, but you don't want to make it available for sale the rest of the year. So you can set this state to not purchasable, which makes it remain in the system. It's still a product that you can check and review and make sure that someone's bought it if they try to use it. But if somebody tries to buy something or asks what is available for sale, this is something you can check and say, oh, it's set to not purchasable. I shouldn't offer this to that user. So that's the entire file. This is the metadata file that we use to create products. 
Now we have to think about what that flow looks like. Remember we talked about upsells and buys and how all that works? So I want to show you something really quickly. We're going to go back to TKO trivia one more time. Um, and I want to show you that the first time I'm going to say, uh, I'll ask for the sports category because we've bought the science one now. But I'll, I'll ask for the sports category. And it's going to say, oh, you don't own that. Would you like to get it? And I'm going to say no because we know what happens. Then it tries to sell it to me, right? It offers me the price. And then I'm going to say, buy the sports category. And you'll see that it jumps immediately just to the buy part. It doesn't do the upsell stuff anymore. Um, and I think that's an important distinction because depending on what the user wants to do, you don't want to ask them if they're interested in a product that they're already saying, I just want to buy it, right? Um, and so you can do either one of these. And I'll show you the code for how that works in just a moment. So let me do that quick demo. Alexa, open TKO Trivia. I see that you're back for more. Alexa, Lankenberg. give me a sports question. You don't currently have access to the sports and games category, but you can unlock these questions. Do you want to learn more? No. You can always ask for a random question, but to get questions from a specific category, you need to purchase that category or the TKO subscription. You can start a quiz or ask me for a random question. What will it be? Buy the sports category? Purchasing the sports and games category will give you questions about athletes, sports, games, and records. Prime members save 19 cents. Without Prime, your price is 99 cents plus tax. Would you like to buy it? No. Okay. You can always ask for a random question, but to get questions from a specific category, you need to purchase that category or the TKO subscription. You can start a quiz or ask me for a random question. What will it be? Give me a random question. One more. Here is your question from the category Art and Stage. <laughs> Who is the famous composer of many musicals, such as Phantom of the Opera and Jesus Christ Superstar? Alexa. Who is Andrew, Andrew Lloyd Webber? I heard you say Andrew Andrew Lloyd Webber. Shucks. You got that one wrong. You can I'll still give you your sticker, though. You or can ask up. me for a random question. Alexa. What will it stop. be? Stop. Um, got it. As I'm I was like building this, and you saw that I did it too, I was, uh, the way it's constructed is I was only expecting the user to say the answer. But people are so programmed with Jeopardy that they throw in the who is or what is sometimes. So I had to actually build cases to handle the what is is and who is is so that it doesn't think that's part of my answer. OK, so we're done demoing my fun little trivia game. Um, there are like 3,000 questions in that thing. Uh, that was a lot of writing. OK, so how to buy an upsell. I'm sorry, how buy an upsell related? We've kind of seen that, right? When I go to an upsell, if I say yes, it takes me to the buy. And if I just say buy, then it takes me directly to the buy. And this is kind of what that looks like. Now, I wish I could make this one bigger. I did not do that. Um, but what I can show you here at the top, even if you can't read it in the back, is this is my upsell. That's the U. And so I say, you don't currently have access to our science pack. Would you like me to tell you about it? This is that upsell experience that I offer to a user to say, hey, I have something you might be interested in. Do you want to know more? I'm proactively telling them about a thing. I'm not responding to them saying, give me the, the dragon sword or whatever it is. I'm, I'm actively trying to offer them a product. 
If they say no, this bit here, the X, then I just carry on, I go back to whatever they were doing in the skill, remind them that they can ask for a random question, but get them back to whatever the free experience is. If they say yes, though, I take them into my, my B here, and the B stands for buy. So whether you upsell them or they directly go to buy, they're gonna end up in this case here, and you'll notice that the words are different colors. The orange words are words that I wrote. They're, they're words that came from stuff that I created for my skill. The blue words are words that are provided directly from Alexa. So in the case of the, the buy process, we say the science category contains this stuff, and then she talks about the price, all the blue stuff. But I, you notice I left the 99 cents orange. That's because I got to determine the price, right? I wrote that in my metadata file, in that JSON file that we saw earlier. And then they say yes or no, and, and she says okay if I say no, and she says great, you now have whatever the name of my product is. Again, that comes from my metadata file. So this map becomes really useful when you're building a skill. Um, I didn't realize that Alexa says okay when you say I don't wanna buy it. I hadn't, I, it just hadn't occurred to me that she was going to say okay and then hand it back to my skill for me to say everything else. And so the first thing I did when I was writing my response for someone not buying something was to say, okay, you don't wanna buy some questions right now, that's fine. So when I provide that as my response, what happens is the user says, no, I don't wanna buy the thing. Alexa says okay, and then I say, okay, you don't want any questions right now. You put that all together though, and the user's experience is, okay, okay, you don't wanna buy anything, right? It sounds really strange to have both of those packed together. So being able to understand what Alexa says and what you have to say becomes really important as you're going through this experience. All right, <coughs> code deep dive. Let's get into how this is actually done and implemented. So we've talked a little bit about um, how this stuff works. This is a quick flowchart of the logic that we use, though. The user tries to access my content. I have to check and say, do they have access to this thing? Have they already paid for it? If they've already paid for it, great. We'll just take them directly to the question or the content or whatever it is they're looking for. But if they haven't, then I can offer them an upsell. And if they actually purchased it, then I'm gonna take them directly to their content, right? It ends up being the same flowchart. But if I offer it to them and they don't want it, then I just return them to that free experience. And we've seen that a couple of times today, but I wanna make sure you kind of visualize the general flow that we like to go through. Now you can do whatever you'd like, but this is the recommended flow that we offer, we, we recommend developers take. So we start to put some code on the screen. When I send a response back to Alexa, what I'm sending is a JSON file. And that JSON has a manifest about what I'm supposed to do. Normal responses look nothing like this. It indicates what my speech is, I have reprompt messages, if I'm showing images on the screen, all that stuff would be included. But when I'm doing an upsell, I send this manifest into the Alexa engine, and it says, oh my gosh, he's trying to upsell this product. Um, this, code, oh, this code right here, the blue part, um, would is that's a variable, but that's representing the product ID that I want to upsell the user on. They take the product ID, they look that up, they look up the manifest on the server to determine what the, the appropriate metadata they should show is, and it offers that upsell. But you'll notice that I get to provide an upsell message. You don't currently have any hints, or you don't have the science pack, would you like to know more about it? This is all I have to send to the Alexa engine to get an upsell kicked off. It ends with a yes, no question. Would you like to know more about the five hint pack? And then they, if they say yes, it goes to that buy process. If they say no, it's gonna return it back to my code, and I'll show you that in a moment as well. Sending a buy request is the exact same thing. I just have to say buy instead of upsell. 
But you'll notice I don't get to provide that upsell message anymore. I don't get to provide extra content when they buy something. All I get to do is say, they want to buy this product, and Alexa takes it over from there. The last one, which we really haven't talked about yet, is the idea of a cancel request. So if I buy something, a one-time purchase, let's say that there's, whoa, that doesn't, uh, that doesn't hold your weight. All right, so um, got to get my head back in the game. This is a cancel request, and when a user buys something in your skill, they may regret that sometimes. They may realize, like, oh, I didn't mean to purchase that. That was, that was dumb of me, or I, I thought I was getting something else. And so in those cases, they may say something like, cancel my purchase, or refund, or something like that. For a one-time purchase, and for consumables, what happens is you send this in. Again, we're just passing a product ID, and we're saying they want to cancel. Alexa will respond with, oh, if you'd like... Um, I've written a card to your Alexa app where you can talk to customer service about getting a refund. And all it does is writes a, excuse me, it writes a card inside their Alexa app that they can click on and it takes them to customer service where they can um, like basically just send an email and say, hey, I bought this accidentally, my kid purchased this, you know, whatever the reason is. Um, and customer service then makes a determination, this is Amazon customer service, makes a determination as to whether or not that should be refunded, right? If it's a good reason, if it have, do they ask for refunds all the time, whatever it is. We don't have to, as developers, we don't have to worry about that at all. But you do need to provide this mechanism so that that card can get written when they ask about canceling a purchase or refunding or whatever. For a subscription, however, if they're trying to cancel a subscription, which again, just send in the subscription product ID, um, we can do this automatically for them. And so if they've started a subscription and they want to stop that subscription, all they have to do is say, cancel my subscription. You catch that, you send this manifest into Alexa, and she'll say, oh, okay, well, you have paid through the end of this month, so your subscription will continue to work through the end of the month, at which point we won't bill you anymore. Um, and it does actually cut off the subscription for the user, so they, don't have, they won't get that recurring bill anymore. Um, and of course, they could always start it up again if they'd like with their voice also. So when it comes back to us, when responses come back to us, so I offered them an upsell, and they said, no, thank you. I don't, I don't want to know more about the science pack. I get something like this in my code. This is the JSON that gets sent back to my code, which I need to interpret. And the big piece of this is the word declined. You can see that down here at the bottom. So I know that they were trying to buy something, and I know that they declined it. This product ID here indicates to me which product I offered them. Uh, it's a very stateless interaction with Alexa, and so when it comes back, I may not, unless I'm keeping tons of track of everything that happens, I, don't, I may not actually know what product I offered them. So this at least comes back and says, oh, they just said they don't want to buy this thing. And I can be like, oh, I guess I offered them that product. Okay, let's go back and do this thing. So that's declined. You can see that accepted looks identical. I know whether it was an upsell or a buy, either of those values could be there. And I have an accepted value that comes in. And so I receive all of this stuff in my code, and I'm off and running, and then I say, cool, you bought the science pack. Let's go do some science questions. There's a third state, though, which is error. Um, and there's a couple of cases for this, but they're important to know because they're not obvious. The, the monetization API that we use is very reliable. It's never down. Um, I say that without knocking on like a whole bunch of wood. Um, but in general, our services are up and running. And so when we get an error message, it could be that the monetization service is down, but probably, probably not. Um, one of the other reasons that this happens, though, is that certain devices, especially third-party devices, some of them may not support purchasing for one reason or another. And so if you go into a skill, I, I discovered this because I was using the, uh, the Amazon app on my iPhone, um, and that app does not support in-skill purchasing. Um, I don't exactly know why. 
I have suspicions, but um, in doing that, uh, in trying to make that purchase, the skill gave me an error. And because I was, I was driving at the time, I thought it'd be fun to play my trivia game while I was driving since it's all voice. Um, and it gave me an error and I thought, well, that's really weird. So when I got home, I dug into my error logs and I saw that this device does not support in-skill purchasing. And I thought, well, that was very, that was not something I would have expected. How often do you really play your voice game in your car? And so that's where this error message became really important to me. Um, it's something that you definitely should handle and definitely expect because it's not just some, it's unlikely that your code is broken or something like that. This is very much something went wrong with the purchase more, that, more so than anything you really did wrong with your code. But it's, it's an important thing to pay attention to. All right, so the last little bit of this that we're gonna go through is best practices. What are the right ways to make money? What are, the, what are the things that I should do inside my skill so that I'm successful in this game? The first one is offering a buy intent. And I think this is important for a number of reasons. The first thing that I'm gonna do is say, hey, do you want this science pack? It's 99 cents, it'll be super awesome. And they're like, no, I don't wanna spend money. And they keep playing your free experience over a week or two. And then they're like, man, didn't they have like a whole science pack I could have gotten? And so they open your skill up and they're like, I want to buy the science pack, right? There's no prompting, no upselling, but they remember that you offered them that thing a while ago. If you don't offer the opportunity for that experience to happen, you're missing out on sales because everybody's going to do that. This is not always an impulse buy situation. And so it's really good to make sure that you're giving them opportunities to buy on their terms when they want to. And if you don't do that, then they've got to hunt around and wait for you to kind of offer the product to them, which is not nearly as nice an experience. So always offer a buy intent. Give them the opportunity to say, I want to buy your product. However, don't be annoying about it. Um, it's really easy to think, well, just every time they'll do anything, I'll upsell them on one of my products. Hey, don't forget, I have a science pack. Don't forget to buy the, you know, the undercoating on the car, whatever it is. Um, do it in a way that makes it a good experience for your user. Offer them products when it makes sense for them to have them. So an uh, example I like to use is, let's say we have an adventure game, and I've, I've run up against this giant dragon. And I've fought it three or four times, and every time I die, and I come back and get revived or whatever potion I drink. Um, and I've realized that the weapons that I have right now are not enough to kill this dragon. So on the third time that I die, I come up to this dragon again, it's like, and the, the skill pipes up and it says, whoa, 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 before you go running after that dragon, there's a wizard that just walked by, and he has the magical sword-killing dragon thing, right? And so you can, and that's available for 99 cents if you like it, and you're like, man, I've died to this dragon three times. Heck yeah, I want the dragon-killing sword. And so you get it at that time, right? It makes perfect sense for that to be offered at that moment. You don't do it when you're in the village cooking a meal or something in the adventure game. That's not a time to buy a sword. So think about the context. Think about what the user is doing right now. Um, and if you offer it at a time that makes sense, you're much more likely to get them to buy the thing. Persistence is absolutely huge in this game, especially when we talk about consumables. So persistence for things like one-time purchases and subscriptions, not that important because you can always call the monetization API and say, do they own this thing? And if they own the thing, then you can give them access to the content or whatever it is. But with consumables, it becomes a little trickier. We keep track of how many times they bought the consumable. So if I have something like a five-hint pack, I know that they bought the five-hint pack once, but nowhere in the mechanisms of Amazon's APIs and monetization service do they have any idea that that means five hints. 
They just know that the user bought that product once, but they don't have any idea what the thing is. And so if you want to be able to know that they bought five hints and that they've used three of them and that they're churning through these consumables, that is entirely on you as the developer to persist and maintain that data. You can always check and say, how many times have they bought this to, to make sure you're confirming your data is right? But that's the only information you really receive is, yes, they bought this four times. Um, so they should have purchased 20 hints, but they've used 17, so they should have three left. So when the user says, how many hints do I have? You can say three. But you had to do that math yourself. This inventory checker is a, the next thing I'm going to show you. Um, there's a few business rules that you might run into with consumables that I think are important. So again, lots and lots of code that might be hard to read from the back of the room. So I'm going to break it up into chunks. You can see that there's four different green comments. I'm going to just jump through each four of those, because I, I think it's important as we think about consumables to understand kind of the things that we could run into. So the first one I do is, this is me checking the quantity of purchases they've made. So I have this hintpack.activeEntitlementCount. That's how many times have they bought this product. And then I'm personally multiplying it by five so that I have five hints for each time that they've purchased it. And that gives me a variable called hints purchased, right? Now I know how many they've bought. But that doesn't tell me anything about how many they've used. So then I move on to my next segment. If my hints purchased, the, the one that I'm keeping track of in my database, is greater than the number of the hints they've actually purchased, the ones that I just calculated, something's wrong. Um, and it probably means that the customer made a return. Here's a quick example. They go into your game, and they buy one five-hint pack. And maybe they don't realize they bought it, but they, they bought one. And then they used a couple of the hints. So they, they've used three hints up. And then they look at their credit card statement. They're like, I paid for something? I, did, I didn't want that. That was an accident. So they go to customer service one, you know, a couple days later. It's not a long period of time, but maybe a day or two later. And they go to customer service, and customer service refunds their, pro their purchase. The next time they come back to your skill, you do this little inventory check, and you say, oh, they've, they've never bought any hints. right? Because now their quantity purchased is zero, because we refunded that one. But your count of how many how many hints they've purchased is five. And as we get into the second part of this case, the number of hints they've used is three. Well, how is that possible if they've never purchased any? And so the logic here is really just, if my hints purchased don't match their hints purchased, my hints purchased now equal the, the hints purchased, right? And in this case, if my hints used um, are different, if they're greater than the number of ones they've purchased, then I set the hints used equal to the number they've purchased. So they basically have none available, right? I've, I've used up all the ones that they've, they've bought. This is tough because there's a lot of ways this can go wrong. And we each get to write this ourselves, although this sample code is available on our github.com slash Alexa site, where you can find a full sample of, of a skill that uses in-skill purchasing and consumables and has all of this logic in it. Uh, but if you sat down and wrote this yourself, you might just say, oh, OK, well, then I guess they haven't bought any even though your inventory still says that they have two left, or they've used three, right? So if I, if I go back and I just subtract five from their total, now they have minus three hints, right? If I just took those five away, minus three is not a real number when you talk about things you could have. Uh, and so then they buy a hint pack. They're like, you know what? That was kind of cool. I'm going to buy a hint pack. So now they buy one. Now you add five to the minus three they had, and you tell them they have two hints, even though they just were told they bought five, right? You can see how this can fall off the rails pretty quickly if you don't pay attention to what the inventory looks like and how things are managed. So the last little bit 
is just me checking. This is me making sure that I'm not an idiot and that my math is right. Um, if my hints purchased are less than what uh, Amazon says their hints purchased are, again, I just reset my numbers for myself. And then I do some very, very basic math. Hints available equals hints purchased minus hints used. And these are all values that I'm persisting to a DynamoDB table just to keep track of how many they've used, how many they've purchased, um, so that I have those records for myself. Because if I don't keep track of this, once they buy any hints, every time they use them and leave, when they come back, they're still going to have the same number. They'll always have five or 10 or however many they bought. So we want to make sure that we're decrementing those things so that they have to buy more in the future. OK. Some other cool things that you should think about. Um, every skill is required to offer help. So if a user is interacting with your skill and they say help, you, are, you have to say something. We don't dictate what that something is, but you have to provide them some sort of contextual help around whatever they were trying to do. So if they're playing a game where they're interacting with your skill that has some consumables, specifically, you should let them know, like, hey, I know you're looking for help. Here's some advice on what you might try to do. By the way, you have three hints available. Just drop that in there as like a thing to remind them that you have this thing. I also do it at the startup of my game, where I say, hey, we're starting the game back up. You have seven hints still available. Just so that they have that in their mind as they start back into their adventure. When it makes sense, a lot of times you can combine a lot of your upsell and buy logic. Because again, as we mentioned earlier, we receive the responses back from Alexa about what they did with an upsell or what they did with a buy. And again, we have a giant chunk of code here. I'm going to zoom in on the very top couple of lines. And you can see that what I'm doing here is I'm checking to see if it came back as an upsell or a buy. I'm, I'm combining a lot of the logic that I would use to respond back to my user as to whether I should say, hey, awesome job buying that, that science pack, or congratulations, you have five new hints, or OK, cool, you don't want to buy anything right now. That's fine. Let's go find something else to do. Um, I'm combining all of that logic in my, in my handler tree to say, if it's upsell or a buy, let's just do this all in one place. There's no reason to separate each of these cases out, because I could have I could have a handler for upsell approved, upsell declined, buy approved, buy declined, error. All these things could have their own situations. But in, for the most part, you're probably going to respond the same way regardless. So we talked about the three kinds of in-skill product, products that we have, one-time purchases, subscriptions, and consumables. We haven't really talked about where you guys should get started. So I think that's probably the next thing to talk about. Um, how many of you are going to skip the rest of the day and just run back to your hotel room to build something? Just lie to me. Everybody put your hand up. That's what I need to see, because it's on camera. I want to make sure everybody sees it. So um, this is the only place you need to go, alexa.design slash ISP. This has all the resources, links, information, white papers, documentation, everything you would need, you will find on that page. Um, while you're there, you're also in our Alexa developer portal. So if you want to look around and see other stuff, or maybe you've never built a skill, I interviewed a lot of the people in the front row. That's their punishment for sitting in the front row. Um, I asked them if they'd ever built a skill, and I would say about half of them had never built a skill before. So if you just want to learn the basics of getting into this stuff, start here, and then you can navigate around and, and find what you're looking for. So with that, I, have, I think I have about eight minutes left. Um, I want to thank you all for coming today. Um, there are a few other sessions that talk about monetization if you're really interested in this, including a workshop uh, that's happening tomorrow and I think Thursday, uh, where for two hours they'll sit you down, you work through a lab, and really get to build this all hands-on. So these are some sessions I would recommend checking out. Um, but I, will, uh, I'll, I have a couple of minutes for questions, so I can, I can take those now, or you guys can applaud and like stand up and cheer. That's fine, too. Uh, question here. No applause, I guess. All right.
Got it. So you want them to be able to buy a product if they haven't gotten to a certain point, but if they get to a certain point, you want to give it to them for free? Is that what I heard you ask? Um, this is something I really want also, but that is not possible today. Uh, at least not using our monetization API. What I have done is, make sure I don't step off the edge. What I have done is um, built some extra logic in to say, if they've met this goal, there's a new if condition that lives on all of my casing, and I just say, oh, if they've met this thing, then they have that product also. It's just another condition in my if statement. Um, but no, there isn't a way to call the API and say, they've bought it, like I gave it away for free or something like that. No, there's not a way to do that today. Uh, any uh, SSML, SSML support for the upsells and stuff? Yeah, anything that you're sending back as a response, I'm gonna back up a little bit to that graph that had the orange and the blue text. Um, anything that was orange could have full SSML support. Uh, for those of you that don't know what SSML is, it stands for uh, Speech Synthesis Markup Language. And SSML is the HTML for voice. So you can mark things up and make it slower or faster or louder or softer. Um, somewhere that's here. It's a lot of slides back. Let's see if I can just use this instead. There. So anything that's orange, you could do with SSML. Anything that's blue, you have no control over at all. Um, but yeah, if you want to provide sound effects or whatever else, you can do all of that stuff inside SSML for sure. For a subscription, we do offer a trial period. Uh, for one-time purchases for consumables, there's no trial. But for a subscription, you actually get to determine what the trial period is. So if you want to offer one day or seven days, uh, you indicate that in your, uh, your product manifest. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's supported today for sure. I don't believe so. I think all you get to do is confirm whether or not they own it. Okay. Yeah. And the upsell portion, is it possible to provide uh, image? So on that <sighs> on, no, because on the upsell and on the buy, what we're actually doing is sending a manifest off to Alexa, and Alexa's doing it herself. So what actually happens, the user doesn't realize, they don't realize this, you're actually leaving your skill entirely. And it's going off and doing some stuff over here, and then when they're done, whatever that purchase or not purchase, then Alexa calls back to your skill and basically spins it back up again. Nope, not at all, unfortunately. Uh, although there are image URLs for your products, so they'll get a thing like in the card, they'll get a card that has the image you specified for that specific product, but you can't do things like the Echo Show and Spot, like you can't provide just, hey, I wanna have these graphics on screen when this thing happens. No, no, as awesome as that would be, you cannot. I wish you could. Uh, other questions? All right, now, oh, I got one more. That's a really great question that I didn't cover today. The question was, um, can I monetize with advertisements? One of the policies that we have today with Alexa Skills is that there is not any advertising allowed. Um, it, it started out as a rule that was, you are not allowed to advertise using Alexa's voice, and people were putting in like recordings, right, like you'd hear on the radio. Um, but we've done a lot of user study and discovered that despite the fact that the people making money would really love that, it actually really takes away from the customer experience, so we don't, we don't have any uh, advertising at all. Yeah. The, the one exception to that is if um, you're building what we call a flash briefing skill, which doesn't have any of the interactivity, it's just, hey, I wanna hear the ESPN radio or CNN or NPR or whatever. Um, those are pre-recorded segments that just get fed out of an RSS feed or something. If those have ads in it, we can't really control that. Um, so we do allow it in that case, but for a normal skill, you can't be like, this trivia game is brought to you by 
Barbasol, or you know what? I, I don't. I, is that still a company? I don't even know. Okay. So, um, any other questions? All right. Well, thank you so much. I'll be down here if you guys have any individual questions. But thank you guys for coming. <laughs>